Merry Christmas, you guys. You can sit down here in the room. Merry, Merry Christmas, whether you're watching online with your kids and your dogs and your cat or you're in this room with us, we are so grateful that you're here today. So let's, let me tell you who I am. I am Michelle Pemberton. I'm one of the pastors around here. And uh, Christmas is coming. Are you guys ready? What? I am, still got some work to do, wrapping and cooking, but I'm so excited. Christmas Eve, you're going to have lots of options. The services are 3, 5, and 11, on-site and online. Um, If you're coming here to the building, we need to know that you're coming and how many people you're bringing with you. So go to heartlandchurch.org, heartlandchurch.org, and click on Christmas, and you'll find a form to fill out so we can be prepared. We want to create a safe environment at all three of our services. And um, another note about post-Christmas, so a week from now, we will be done with Christmas. It'll be December 27th. And you don't want to come to this building on that day because we are pre-recording the service and the worship set. And you can watch it anytime on the 27th or that whole week. You'll be able to access it on demand. So we'll hope you'll join us for that. So those of you who know me know that I love a sharing question. Like it's just required if you're going to have coffee with me or a meal. My kids are expecting it on Christmas Day. And we do these conversation cards, and and the folks online, you guys can answer this in the chat. So my favorite of these questions is the middle one. Have you ever taken a leap of faith that felt foolish at the time, and what happened? So I asked my friend Maven, who is six years old, and here's what she said. She said, I, when I went to Girl Scouts and there was a new girl there, I was afraid to talk to her, but I did talk to her, and she wanted to be my friend. Like, that's a leap of faith. Anytime we make a relational step towards somebody, it was. And now Maven and Mia are friends because she took a leap of faith. And that's what part of what Joe is talking about today. Joe Rademan, our high school movements pastor, is going to be speaking. And I always learn so much from Joe. And he's going to be talking about um, taking a, a step or a leap of faith. And so right after this video, he'll come up. Thanks, you guys. you to imagine for a moment that you are the kind of person who always does the right thing. 
You've always been that kind of person. Uh, you know that there's things that you're supposed to do and you do those things. You know that there's things that you're not supposed to do and you don't do those things. Your life has been characterized as always doing the right thing. And then after what has felt like an eternity, you finally find the right person. Things start moving quickly. You get engaged. You're making steps towards marriage when the unthinkable happens. Your world gets 20-20'd. The unthinkable happens. You discover that your new bride, your recent fiance, is pregnant and it's not your baby. What do you do in a moment like this as the swirling of questions is happening, as you're asking, why is this happening to me? What do you do when you don't know what to do? It's out of these circumstances that the Christmas story we all know and love so much happens. This moment of unknown, of uncomfort, of uncertainty, when Joseph the carpenter is in a moment where he must respond in his moment of uncertainty and unknown. Now, you may not be able to relate to Joseph's exact circumstances, but this has been a year characterized by those things of uncertainty and unknown. And for so many of us, we've been asking the question of what do we do when we don't know what to do? And it's these kind of uncertain, unknown circumstances that evoke similar responses in many of us, uh, ones you might be familiar with. Um, the response of fight, flight, or freeze. I think about uh, my wife and I, we took a road trip with our, our two youngest. So we've got a, a three-year-old and a baby at the time. And we're headed up to Chicago to go visit some friends. And we've got the Subaru just packed to the roof with like all the kids' gadgets we thought we'd need, but you don't actually need. And we are driving through Kansas City. We're an hour and a half north of Kansas City when I hear... <laughs> That's not good. That's not a sound you want to hear on a road trip. And so we pull over the car, and as the car is slowing to a stop, I kid you not, my three-year-old begins vomiting all over the back seat. What is happening? I get out of the car. Uh, I'm looking at the tires, and the tires look good. I'm like, okay, that's great. Maybe I just hit a piece of trash, get back into the car to go to a gas station or something. Uh, I put the car in gear, push down the gas, and the car does not move. Transmission is blown. Here I am, an hour and a half outside of Kansas City, blown transmission, car increasingly smelling like vomit. What do you do? <laughs> what do you do when you don't know how to do it? In this moment, our family captures the fight, flight, and freeze responses. Uh, my beautiful bride, Shelby, she is a freezer. And so in these moments, she is offline, unavailable, totally unhelpful. She is just like trying to process reality. Uh, fortunately, I am a fighter. And so in these moments, I power up and push through. So I'm like calling a tow truck. It's going to be there in an hour and a half. I'm stripping Liam down and like uh, cleaning him back up. Uh, Liam, we find out, is a flighter. He just wants to escape this awful situation. So we've got him hooked up to Moana, just like in a different place. Tow truck shows up uh, on the hour and a half drive back to Kansas City, I managed to negotiate a deal, purchase a vehicle, and we are on our way back to Chicago. That's what, that's what a fighter does in those kind of moments. But in that moment is captured all three of us. You've got those fighters, those people that uh, power up and push through. Uh, show of hands, any fighters out there? Those of you online, you can kind of self-identify. Yeah, we got some fighters, let's go. Uh, what about our like flighters, those that flee, escape, like in moments like that? Yeah, there we are. 
What about our freezers? We got some freezers. That's real. Come on. While each of these has their own merits, uh, they definitely each have their own weaknesses. I mean, even for those of us fighters out there that think we're the best, I can be completely oblivious to people's legitimate like, desires and feelings and needs in moments like that. And so what I'd like to suggest today is that there's a fourth response in these moments of uncertainty and unknown, in addition to the fight, flight, and freeze. And I think we see it in the story of Joseph the carpenter, husband of Mary, earthly father of Jesus. So if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up, flip to, swipe, scroll, turn them on. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. We're told this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So here's the story that we opened with where Joseph, uh, uh, the carpenter, finds out that his, his new bride is pregnant and it's not his baby. So we find from the text that his plan is to divorce her quietly. Um, and for those of us in today's day, that may, might not seem like the most loving responses in a situation like this, but this is what the Jewish law required of Joseph. Um, that in the case of adultery, that uh, divorce is what was suggested. And here in this moment, like, that might also be confusing. Like, aren't they just engaged? Like, that was a binding legal contract that to, to get out of that, divorce is what was required. But Joseph found himself in a dilemma because to do that publicly meant that Mary would likely be stoned. She would, they would throw rocks at her until she ultimately died. Uh, or she would be forever labeled as an adulteress and just face like an enormous amount of shame her entire life. So Joseph, in this moment, in this dilemma, he, he's searching the scriptures. We, we see that he's faithful to the law, trying to figure out what God would have him do. And so he makes what he thinks is the, the best choice in this moment. He decides to divorce her quietly to save her reputation. In this moment, we find the fourth response. In addition to, to fighting and flighting and freezing, is what I'd like to label as faithful. Is that in this moment, Joseph took time to pause and to consider what God would have him do and then took little steps of faith that followed. Instead of just powering up and pushing through, instead of just escaping the situation, instead of freezing in an unknown circumstance, he chooses to be faithful, to ask God, what would you have me do? And to take little steps of faith that followed. Now we see next that after he had considered this, and hold up for just a second. This is not like a quiet, hmm, what should I do moment? I mean, this is like one of those gut-wrenching, heart-stopping, what do I do kind of moments. The late night playing through every option in your head until none of them make any sense at all. This is one of those moments, those swirls late at night that we're told after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Can we take the Bible glasses off for a second? Because uh, for those of us that are familiar with the story, it's like, oh yeah, of course he did this. But like, 
What just happened? In Joseph's mind, he's been the person who's always done the right thing. And up to this point, that made sense, doing the right thing. But now he wakes up from a dream being told that uh, she's pregnant with, by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> what? Can you imagine how that conversation plays out with like Joseph's friend Mordecai? Like, yeah, dude, I was going to divorce her, but then an angel told me that it's a Holy Spirit baby. What? An angel told you this? <laughs> Holy Spirit baby? Okay, okay, Joseph. Like in this moment, like Joseph's faithfulness is being put to the test because up until this point, it's been easy to be faithful. That's just what you do. But in this moment, his faithfulness looks foolish. To the rest of the world, good luck convincing anyone else that this was a Holy Spirit baby and that his wife was not unfaithful. Joseph chose to be faithful when being faithful looked foolish. And sometimes being faithful looks foolish. Like when being faithful means being a person of integrity at work and speaking out against something unethical. When wouldn't it be wiser just to like keep those things to yourself and not rustle any feathers? Or when being faithful means continuing to be genu uh, generous and tithe when finances are tight. And wouldn't it make sense just to save a little bit more or to be generous later? You know, being faithful can look foolish when you're trying to survive your kids at home uh, during quarantine and homeschooling. And wouldn't it be better just to like sleep in or veg out in that spare moment that you have and, and not carve away time with the Lord? Sometimes being faithful looks foolish. What do you do in these moments where you don't know what to do? Well, we're told that Joseph, having woken up from this dream, we're told that he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and he took Mary home as his wife. Joseph, in true Joseph form, chooses to be faithful anyways. Chooses to be faithful even when being faithful looked foolish. And let's not like jump too quickly over like what this cost Joseph. I mean, in this moment, he trades her public shame for his own. He now gets the whispers. He now gets the weird looks. And from this moment, like it, it was a momentary decision to be faithful, but it really looked like a whole lot of little steps along the way to play out that faithfulness. As day after day, he had to trust that what the angel had said. Day after day, he had to trust that God was telling him to take Mary as his wife when Jesus didn't do a miracle for some 30 years. Sometimes being faithful is those little steps, one after another, even when you can't see how the story ends, even when you don't know how things turn out. Fortunately for Joseph, we know how the story turns out. In choosing to be faithful, even when it looked foolish, Joseph got to be the earthly father of the God of the universe. Like, think about that for a moment. He got to hold the tiny toddler hand of the one who formed the first man and woman from the dirt of the ground and breathed that breath of life. Joseph got to be the one who cleaned the, the wounds and the bruises and the scrapes of the one who had ultimately bear our, the weight of sin on the cross. Joseph got all those moments with a God who breathes out stars. 
You know, those 30 years of Jesus' life before his ministry that were a mystery to all of us, those were Joseph's. Undivided time with the God of the universe. You know, I think about uh, my, uh, my youngest, Barrett. He's two years old. And anytime something gets broken around the house and I'm fixing it, he grabs his, his plastic little screwdriver and he comes over and he goes, uh, I help too? I help too, Daddy? I help too? Those precious moments with Jesus, Joseph got to have. And in the ultimate I help too moment, as Jesus one day would die on our behalf on that cross. You see, Joseph's decision to be faithful, even when it looked foolish, paid off in the end. Being faithful may sometimes look foolish looking forward, but it never looks foolish looking back. Being faithful may look foolish looking forward, but it never looks foolish looking back. And we see this to be true in our, our own lives. Uh, I think back to seminary. I had this buddy, his name is Mark, um, and he was trying to figure out where he and his wife were going to live. They were trying to make decisions about how, where they should live. Should they rent? Should they own? And as he's praying about it, he felt like the Lord wanted him to buy a condo, uh, which at the time I'm like, dude, that is a dumb decision. You have uh, a ton of debt. You don't get paid much. You're like, you're a part-time youth pastor. You should not buy a condo. You don't need a $200,000 loan. Uh, fast forward four years, all the value of property in South Denver just skyrockets. He sells the place for $40,000 more than he bought it and pays off all of his debt. <laughs> Dang it. At the time, that looked really foolish, but he had confidence that that's what God was calling him to do. And uh, now I look like the idiot, you know? I think about uh, some of my like, middle-aged single friends right now um, that are waiting for the right guy or the right girl. And this time of year, more than any other, feel like the unfair societal pressure to be in relationship. But they're not willing to compromise their values along the way. The, the temptation to just settle has to be enormous. There's no way, looking back, that they're going to regret the decision not to compromise. I think about talking with one of my uh, seniors last year who is in that space of he's always been the one who does the right thing time and time again, and yet he's seeing his friends make different decisions. And he was beginning to question, do I need to keep doing the right thing? It doesn't seem to always immediately pay off. And I remember being able to look him in the eye and from my own failures and my own mistakes at his age say, you will never regret the decision to do the right thing. You won't. Or think about even where we're at as a, a church and this hiring process for a new uh, lead and teaching pastor. You know, from the outside looking in, it's been a lengthy process and it, it may not make sense. But I have such enormous trust in that team and their wisdom, their discernment, their prayerfulness. There's no way that looking back that we wouldn't think that it was worth the, the wait when we land that right person. You see, being faithful sometimes looks foolish looking forward, but it never looks foolish looking back. So what does that look like for you and me? As we're in these moments of uncertainty and unknown, how do we choose faithfulness in these moments? I think what we see in the story of Joseph is that he was faithful to what was clear. Uh, we see in his life that he studied the scriptures, he knew what God's will was for his life, and he stepped out in those things that were clear. This book is 
filled with timeless truths that teach us the way to live God's heart for us. Those things are always true, always clear. So what are the things right now in the midst of a year that's so uncertain, unknown, that remain clear? How do we take little steps of faith in the things that are clear? Like what God says that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Our call to make disciples of all nations, uh, to love one another really well, to be in community, to be generous with our time, our talents, our treasures. All those things are still true even in the midst of a year that's so unknown, so uncertain. And what we can learn from Joseph's story is that if we're stepping out in faith in those ways, there's no way that we'll go astray. That if we start going in a direction that's not right, God will redirect us when we need to, to come back. We need to make those little steps of faith in what's clear, knowing that God will redirect us if we need to veer. And so for you, maybe that's still continuing to invest in relationships, even if you don't like Zoom and phone calls. That's clear. Relationships are important no matter what year it is. You know, maybe for you, that's the decision to continue uh, doing the hard work of a parent, of dressing your kids and getting them ready to, to church or live stream, talking to them about Jesus, even when it's awkward, praying for them when they just talk through your prayers. Maybe for you, that's the decision to, to be a person of integrity in your workplace, on social media, whatever it is, even if that means wrestling, ruffling some feathers. I think for others of us, and I think for all of us, we just need the encouragement to keep going, to keep making steps, step after step, to keep being faithful. This has been a year unlike any other where it can, you can grow weary of being faithful. You can grow weary of, of being a Christian in the season. I read a study the other day that a third of Christians who previously attended church uh, before COVID no longer attend church or have attempted a live stream since March. It's insane. Those of you that hear, you don't fit in that third category, but you feel the weight of just what it looks like to be faithful in the season. It can be the temptation to just let things slide and to give in and has never been greater. But it makes me think of uh, Cliff Young. Back in 1983, there was this, uh, this race from Sydney, Australia, all the way up to Melbourne, some 543 miles. It took place over five plus days in which all these Olymp like uh, big time athletes competed and trained for years to, to run this kind of race. And here it is, day one of the race, you've got all these 20 and 30 somethings wearing their short shorts and their flats, uh, ready to race. And up walks Cliff Young, a 61 year old sheep herder from Australia. He's got uh, overalls and work boots on and he shows up and he says, I want to race. And they're like, you can't race. You can't even finish this race. What are you doing here? But they end up giving him a number. It's number five. He decides he's, he's going to race anyways. They take off on the race. Uh, he is quickly left behind. Like he, there's an insurmountable gap between him and like second to last place. And yet late into the night, he just like keeps doing this tiny little shuffle all the way into the night. He keeps shuffling. Day two, he's taken the lead. 
People are like, how, how did this happen? How did this 61-year-old beat out all these incredible athletes? Day three, he's taken it enormously that it looks unlikely that any other person can catch him. Why? Well, all the other athletes knew that to compete in a five-day race, you would, you would run for 18 hours and you would sleep for six. Uh, Cliff did not know that. Cliff just kept running. Late into the night, he slept less than an hour the first night, about the same the second and third over the course of the five days, sleeps less than 10 hours. He just keeps going. Turns out growing up as a sheep herder, he had some 2,000 sheep over 2,000 acres, and he would have to chase them down two to three days at a time with little to no sleep. Just one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, this tiny little shuffle into the night, night after night, day after day, year after year. By the time that Cliff finishes the race, he is 10 hours in front of first place and sets a new course record uh, by over two days. <laughs> a 61-year-old sheep, sheep herder from Australia. How? He didn't stop. He just kept going one foot in front of the other foot, in front of the other foot, doing what he had done for 60 years as a sheep herder out of the spotlight when nobody was looking, just being faithful in the little ways, step after step after step. Friends, I think many of us in here just need the encouragement to keep going. This has been a wearisome year. And for some of us, we just need not a big leap of faith. We just need tiny little Cliff Young shuffle steps. One faithful step after another. To keep carving away time to be with the Lord, even if that looks different right now. To keep investing in relationships, even if it's not convenient, even if it's uncomfortable. Friends, it is an ultra marathon race, this journey called faith. Don't stop. Just one foot in front of the other. Faithfulness may look foolish looking forward, but it never looks foolish looking back. Let's pray. Wabba Father, many of us come here today tired. It has been a long year where being faithful has felt foolish, uh, where being faithful has, has just been heavy. I know that for some of us in this room, we've let some things slide. It's felt like we haven't been faithful. Um, but God, we know that you are and that all it takes is these uh, tiny little step towards you. And so today, I just pray for all of us in this room, would you just fill us up? Would you give us what we need for this next leg of the journey? Would we leave here with more joy, more encouragement, more peace? Uh, because we don't run this race alone. You are right there with us. So Holy Spirit, would you lead us as we go? We ask these things in your son's holy, precious, mighty name. Amen. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for being with us this morning. Uh, that's all that we've got for you. Uh, we would love to see you next week, next Thursday at the 3 or 5 or 11 o'clock for our Christmas services. Otherwise, go enjoy this beautiful day.